This is Machine Language, the podcast hosted by Manufacturing Automation Magazine. You've tuned in to hear conversations with industry experts on the latest industrial automation technologies and trends in Canada's manufacturing sector. Hello and welcome to this episode of Machine Language. I'm your host, Sukanya Righosh, editor of Manufacturing Automation Magazine. Cobots are commonly used across multiple industries as an important automation solution. Primarily, manufacturers use them in applications like machine tending or end-of-line packaging. Rob Sepper from Omrin Automation joins us for this episode to discuss how cobots can strengthen the medical devices manufacturing sector. Rob Seppu currently serves as the Life Sciences Industry Sales Manager for Omrin Americas, where he oversees a strategic team focused on medical devices, lab automation, pharmaceuticals, as well as clinical and in vitro diagnostics. During his 17 years at Omrin, he has developed workflow automation, validation, and traceability solutions for global life sciences companies. Seppu has an extensive background in automation with 10 plus years of experience prior to joining Omrin in 2004. In this episode, Seppu talks about how cobots help in automating repetitive mundane tasks, how they can improve production efficiency in medical devices manufacturing, the different benefits of adding cobots to the process of manufacturing medical equipment that have very small and delicate components and how they help in ensuring quality of the end products, which is extremely critical in medical devices. Let's listen to the conversation now. Hello, Rob. Welcome to Manufacturing Automation's podcast, Machine Language. Well, thank you, Sakanya, for giving me the opportunity to speak here today. Uh, Rob, before I go into the questions, um, just could you give a very brief uh, you know, outline of what you do? Well, uh, I work for Armad Automation, and I am the industry life science manager covering the Americas uh, with a team of people who are focused strictly in that vertical uh, life science market uh, for medical device and pharma, um, providing solutions for them in the automation space. Okay, so, uh, you know, Industry 5.2 as a concept has been a topic of conversations for quite some time now. And the central idea behind it is human-machine collaboration. How do you think collaborative robots or cobots have changed the manufacturing industry as a whole? You know, one of the most interesting aspects of Industry 5.0 is that it's about robots helping humans work better and faster. It adds that personal human touch to the industry 4.0 pillars of automation and efficiency. So the step towards robotic collaboration has the bars really lowered, making it easier to move from a manual process to an automated process. Cobots, they're providing us that middle ground. They have changed how accessible robot technology really is. So with this lower cost of entry into automation, it allows manufacturers new opportunities to capture increased efficiencies. So you may have a scenario where an operator is in an area working with one or two collaborative robots. And the right. robots are going to do the repeatable task, like picking you apart and placing into machine. And the operators left to do those things that require special decision making or fine motor skills, things that are more difficult to automate. 
So, uh, you know, with this technology, these companies are looking at more tasks to automate because the return on investment, it, it's, it's just so much easier to justify. In fact, you don't even need to, to dedicate a robot to a, a single application. Be, you know, because of the inherent safety capabilities, they can be moved around hey. the facility, you know, to be tasked with different jobs. So, so let's just say in the morning, it's doing a CNC loading application. Right. Um, you know, it's just loading the machine, but that's only part of the, the process for the day. In the afternoon, that same robot can be taken over to that packaging area. And now yeah. it's going to be doing a palletizing type application. So, you know, it's, it's doing two very different tasks, but it's being utilized 100% of the time, which is, you know, for a, a traditional robot, a fixed robot, it's yeah. hard to have that kind of flexibility due to the, you know, the hard guarding, the safety systems that have to be in place to make it a safe uh, robot in the environment. So just uh, because we're going to talk about robots and cobots and safety, I just want to make a, a caveat here, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you should always do with a cobot or any robot or any, any automation application is make sure you've done a safety risk assessment, okay? Make sure that you've had not introduced any hazards to the workers in the area. Cobots are designed to work with people, and, and it's very important that even though they are safe to work with people, you need to do the safety risk assessment. Like, we take these to trade shows all the time. Yeah. And uh, you'll see them moving around. There's no hard guarding, no safety there because we know that in those types of applications, they're fine. But as soon as you take something like a blowtorch and put that on the end of, of a cobot, yeah. you no longer have a safe collaborative robot anymore. So you've got to take these things into consideration. But you know, if you're using a simple, just a, a little vacuum picker, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, but again, always do that safety thing. So that, that's my little caveat there for, for safety. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing that's really helping us uh, with, the, with it moving to 5.0, is the ease of teaching of these robots. You yeah. know, you no longer need the skill of a robotic engineer, you know, with C++ programming knowledge or somebody who has, you know, you know, many years of robotic industry experience. You know, a lot of these applications can be done with just in-house talent. You know, the current labor shortage that we're seeing isn't just on the factory floor, but so these higher skilled robot experts, they're harder to come by as well. So moving this uh, technology to make it simpler to use is really enabling it to, to be used more often. So with some of this minimal training, the operators yep. that are on the floor with the cobots who really right. have that best understanding uh, of the application uh, can be tasked to do those you know, minor modifications. You know, they're the ones who've been working with the machines. They can make those adjustments of where the pick point really should be and where it should be put down and even some simple decision makings. You know, all together, just to kind of put a bow on this thing, yeah. lower cost of ownership, uh, simpler safe imp implementations, and that ease of programming uh, really allow manufacturers to embrace industry 5.0, making, making workers more productive and increase quality at the same time. So I know, sorry, long-winded, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I hope no, that answered your question. Yeah, no, it does. And, uh, you know, going to my next question, I'm getting into something more specific. The first question was more general. So. Sure. Uh, with the specific example of, let's say, using it in manufacturing medical devices, how have cobots contributed to improving uh, production efficiency? Sure. Uh, well, let me uh, let me do this by giving a sort of a, a real world case example here. Right. UDI, which is the unique device identification requirements for the medical industry, that, that parts need to be marked, and this is an increasing um, requirement. You know, one way that parts are, are typically marked is, is with the use of a laser marker. 
So historically, a person would be sitting in front of the laser marker with a tray of parts and, you know, they, they take the parts, put it in, press the button, wait, have the process done, take the parts out, put the tray next to, you know, to the next part, next area, and to begin the process again. So you got an individual, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again. You don't really require a high level of skill or intelligence to do a job where you're just picking, pressing a button and moving it over. And it's, it is those tasks where cobots really should be deployed. Um, and in fact, there's things that they can do that can bring additional value beyond just the picking and placing. And, I, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second here. But so in yep. the new scenario, yep. that we, you know, we, we, we wheel a cobot up to the laser marker and, and it can look um, at the laser marker, look for like these landmarks or fiducial. So we've wheeled this thing up. It'll look yep. for a fiducial mark and it'll understand where the laser marker is and all of its components in a real world 3D space once it has that, that information from that fiducial mark. So, um, and then it can operate the machine by just simply looking at the pilot light or the, the HMI screen, just yeah. like the operator did to interface with that thing. Um, so now the machine or the cobot would you know, open the door, it will insert the parts, it'll look at the pilot light and, or, or the HMI and wait for whatever signal that the operator was looking at yeah. uh, to say that the process is done. So I'm not hardwiring this thing in any way. I'm just having it mimic what the what the operator was doing. Once that signal comes on, it'll open the door and put the uh, the tray over and begin the process again, just like the operator did. But here here's one of the benefits that we can use or ca capture by using a cobot in this, in this application. Once right. it's closed the door and the and the robot or the laser marker is doing its process, the cobot can now look over because it has a camera or it can a camera can be added. It yeah. can go to an inspection on, on the process that just took place and not only inspect it to say, yeah, I can read the mark and everything looks good. Also capture those images and do all that stuff. So some more value add than, than just loading the machine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's one real good way that we can improve efficiencies by using these jobs that really are, are very simple uh, that can be automated that way. And like, you know, uh, coming to, uh, automating repetitive mundane tasks. Cobots can be extremely helpful uh, in this area, freeing up their human counterparts for other crucial activities in the manufacturing environment. So uh, any thoughts on this? Like, do you have any real life examples or scenarios, uh, you know, related to this context? Yeah, I mean, one thing, one thing I, I see all the time is you see these workers that are charged with, you know, doing the visual inspection of parts at the end of the line during the process. I right. mean, I, I look at these people and it's a very challenging to look at the same thing over and over again for eight hours a day uh, and, and trying to define, you know, the small scratches or other flaws, you know, that are, are critical to manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because they're so critical, you know, um, manufacturers often have that same inspection done three or four times throughout the process just to make sure that there's no escapes I mean, yeah. it's one thing to have a flaw uh, in the factory that's captured, but when these flaws get to the field, it's a real problem for some manufacturers. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, and, and you know, they, they have to look at the part, they have to flip it around and, and really do, do a difficult inspection. Um, now, a cobot, a cobot in that application can do this a couple of different ways. Yeah. One, you know, using a built-in camera, uh, the arm itself can move around the object uh, yeah. from various angles right? And look at it and look for those scratches, capture images, like I mentioned before, uh, and really determine if the part was made correctly. Or another way is they can actually pick up the component, 
take it to a, a high resolution camera and manipulate the the, the part of the device under the camera itself and, and, and right. do that kind of inspection. And really, when you look back at the individual doing the process, I mean, the cobot in the seventh hour of its inspection day is going to be just as effective as it was at that first hour. For right. a person, and I know myself, I mean, I, I can't maintain the same level of, of focus and attentiveness throughout an eight-hour day. You know, there, there are dips and drops, and, and these are the things that you avoid uh, by using a cobot for, for a mundane task like that. And, and again, you have all the records of inspection. So if there is something wrong in the field, you can say, well, look, we have the record of the inspection. It was correctly produced at this stage of the production. Right. Right. And that's that's like an amazing example, because uh, come to think of it, after a point of time, the, uh, you know, your eyes sort of start playing tricks on you. If you're looking at it for, uh, like you said, eight hours, uh, you know, yep. at, at a time. So I don't, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. It, it, I have a lot of respect for people who can stay that focused. Absolutely. Long. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, with the advanced technologies of today, what kind of tasks are cobots capable of performing? Uh, you know, what are the cobot options available to manufacturers uh, right now? Sure. I mean, a, a cobot, it, it, it's a tool which really opens up the, the whole spectrum of, of options or capabilities of, of, of a tool. Like you think of a pencil as a tool, you know, you give it to an architect and, and now you've got a drawing or design for a building, you give it to a, a poet, you, you'll, you'll get a sonnet, same pencil, different result. An artist is going to give you a portrait potentially. It, it, it's like that. So when you, when you put a tool like a cobot in the hands of a medical professional, right. they see the potential kind of through their lens. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they see it through the medical paradigm there. And it's incredible what tasks are deployed in the applications, um, you know, that the robot designer himself would, would never have anticipated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the raw application, we, we kind of break it down into the, not break it down, into the biggest uh, category here, are fairly consistent. You know, you're going to be doing a pick and place application, yeah. maybe some form of, of assembly, connecting parts together, like yeah. screw driving type things, dispensing yeah. an adhesive, maybe a lubricant, doing some finishing. Yeah. Machine tanning, which I talked about, putting a part in, taking it out. There's welding, material yeah. removal, and then, you know, like I just mentioned, also quality inspection, stuff like that. Those, those are the broadest categories. Um, but here, uh, you know, let me give you an example. Uh, I was involved um, in a medical application where the goal was to have the cobot. Yeah. It was an entire cell. It was, a, it was a, like a packaging labeling cell. Yeah. And the cobot uh, was asked to, it was taking the label off the printer, placing yeah. it on a bag, same cobot, inserted a medical device, yeah. It took the bag, presented it to a sealer. So the bag was sealed. Yeah. The seal was then inspected. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the bag and the label were all scanned again for the barcode and yeah. put into a box for the next step. Yeah. I, I mean, it, and really, we only made minor modifications to that work cell because yeah. it's really designed to work like an operator was working. Right. Um, Another important thing is in, in the way we're interacting with the equipment that was already working, the cell was already up and running and, and working fine, is that we didn't change the equipment itself. Yeah, so yeah. the validated state of, of the equipment didn't change, saving a lot of time and money and avoiding that revalidation process required for, for medical devices when you, or equipment when you change them. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned uh, options. So, yeah. you know, th there's, there's lots of options for, for cobots as well. I mean, you have the different payloads and reaches. Because yeah. you want to match, you know, the capabilities of the cobot to the yeah. application. You don't want to 
a 20 kilogram cobot moving a, a six ounce part. You know? Right. Um, and then there's also uh, specialized cobots, you know, for the semi industry, uh, which you know, they're, they're electronic applications in the medical device. So S2, we have S2 yeah. rated cobots. We have food grade uh, grease rated cobots as well. So if there's a concern about motor oil or a contaminant getting into yeah. something that may be consumed by a person, we now have food grade, which you know avoids that problem. Um, custard, custom tailored robots. You know we have integrated cameras. We have yeah. without the cameras. You know, yeah. if you want to have cost savings, but really um, the options come on the end effectors themselves, like these the grippers, the toolings, uh, the the bent yeah. heads, the screwdrivers. So really, there, there's a lot of things that you can do. Again, Cobot is a tool or part of a tool. Um, yeah. there's, there's lots of different places to use them and lots of options available. Yeah. So from uh, from your uh, you know what you're saying, uh, what I'm getting is basically it's uh, the end user, the manufacturer can actually, depending on their needs, can actually uh, get the specific cobots and can get different ones for yep. different functions within their, uh, you know, within the same factory. In fact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know there, there there are a lot of options out there. You work with vendors, systems integrators. Right determine what might be the best thing for, for you using your particular application. Right. So we were, you know, just a while back, we were talking about how cobots are helping their human counterparts uh, by eliminating these dull, mundane, repetitive tasks. Coming to, you know, how uh, the manufacturing industry, the Canadian manufacturing industry is in fact facing a labor shortage. It's, it's a major issue here. So where do cobots come in? How can they fill this gap? Yeah, you know, I really think we have a, a, a it's not a, a labor shortage issue as much as it's a utilization right. of existing labor. Let's, let's, let's kind of frame it that way. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, apart from the examples I've already mentioned, um, you know, there are tasks where you're simply just moving raw materials from one yeah. area of the facility to another or moving them in process between stations and stuff like that. Yeah. These are these are non-value added steps. I mean, it, the, when you'd move something from A to B, yeah. you haven't made the thing any better. All yeah. you've done is moved it to a different location, which is a cost that doesn't add any really value to the device being manufactured. Absolutely. So if we can use cobots, you know, to, to free up labor and avoid these, have labor doing these steps, I mean, we're, we're increasing our efficiencies and using our labor better. So um, I'm going to kind of diverge a little bit of, um, and talk briefly about another type of collaborative robot, which is the AMR. So yeah. AMR stands for Autonomous Mobile Robot. And these are self-guided mobile robots that can bring raw materials from the warehouse to the start of production, yeah. move it between the cells, and deliver finished products to the packaging line. And, and where we are seeing these uh, deployed uh, all over the place, I mean, hospitals are using these things to free up like nursing staff. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing what they were trained to do. And, and uh, the, the AMRs are delivering what needs to be done to, to the different rooms or to, to the um, operating areas and stuff like that, too. Right. Uh, also see them in, in hotels. I don't know if you've seen them yourself or not, but they're doing room service. Some of them are performing security functions. Um, some of those labor tasks, um, you know, that to, you know, they're hard to, 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 to place right now. Yeah. Um, so these robots, these AMRs, they, what they do is they have an internal map of your manufacturing facility. So yeah. they don't go on just a dedicated route. They're not following anything on the floor, anything like that, like a bus would do, just a, a, a set route. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have they understand what the facility looks like because you've mapped it out. And yeah. you can kind of think of these AMRs more as a, a modern day Uber. Right. So, you know, you can call them to a location on demand and, and yeah. have them handle time sensitive transportation. 
I know in some processes, uh, once you've applied uh, an adhesive, it needs to quickly go to another area of the facility yeah. uh, within 20 minutes. Um, and if you've got a person running that because you can't put hard conveyance down like that, uh, you know, it's a good uh, application for an AMR. Yeah. And they come in all sizes. So I don't know what you're visualizing in your mind, but yeah. they come in from uh, something can carry 60 kilograms, you know, all the way up to 1,500 kilograms and, and even beyond that. Yeah. Um, and again, so they're, they're considered collaborative because yeah. they are designed to work with people. Again, we have them at trade shows. They're running around. People yeah. are moving around. They see the people and they adjust their paths or they'll stop and they'll re reroute themselves. Uh, so they really are collaborative uh, robots as well because they don't need the dedicated lanes. So anytime you know you have a person wheeling a cart through a manufacturing facility, yeah. you really have an opportunity uh, to free up that labor and 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 deploy them, you know, where they're most needed because this can be automated. Yeah. So it's it's more of you know utilizing human beings and tasks that need you know more human knowledge and eliminating you know removing them from these things that can be uh you know done by the cobots sure. yep. uh, okay so you know we often come across the fear that cobots could take away jobs from people what are your thoughts on this yeah uh, one of the you know one of the things uh, that uh, manufacturers have learned during the covid crisis and, and the supply chain issues yeah is, is we have a dependence on the global supply chain. And I'm getting to your answer here. Uh, and, and that dependence can be very risky, you know, natural disasters, economic yeah. instability. And uh, so for a manufacturer, they're, they're at risk now of being able to deliver the final goods because of, because of this global dependence. Yeah. So uh, you know, how do we bring manufacturing back to Canada and still stay competitive? You know, not just in Canada, but, but globally. Yeah. And we have to do that by increasing the efficiencies of, of the labor portion of the costs to build goods. Yeah. So with cobots, we can achieve this. Um, they can handle the tasks like we talked about that don't require that critical thinking like you were just talking about. Yes. Um, you know, being able to grow the and, and because of this, we, can, we can grow the entire manufacturing pie in Canada and then still have the existing workforce fully employed. You, yeah. you follow what I'm saying here is we're yeah. really. We're growing the manufacturing that can take place within the country. Yes. So these uh, individuals are just shifted to more critical roles that solve issues with global yeah. scarcity, you know, yeah. working on production issues, you know, things that cobots can't really do. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, we're putting the workforce in, in better positions, ones yeah. that require intelligence, communication capabilities. Um, you know, that example where I had the person pushing cart around the factory, adding yeah. no value because it, we haven't increased, you know, the work and process value, but um, they're adding cost to the production. If we, we redeploy them to those tasks that are actually adding value, yeah. these are higher level positions and, and they're going to be more valuable to the employer that employee will be. So, you know, through these efficiencies, we can grow manufacturing yeah. thereby by, by increasing the number of employee, employers will yeah. need employees. For these yeah. positions. So, so uh, this brings me to my next question, actually. So with cobots in the picture, and you know, if you take the example of a medical uh, equipment manufacturing facility, how are job roles changing today? So from what I gathered from your previous answer, it's about reskilling and upskilling the workforce. So uh, yep. what do you see in this? Oh, absolutely right. It, it is about reskilling and upskilling the people. Uh, I mean, I, I've been on many factory floors in these clean rooms yeah. and, and you have these small work cells 
yeah. historically, you know, be, be, before the before the cobots are implemented, these small work cells and, and you know people are stepping out of themselves. Like clean room space is expensive, so therefore you're you're, you're in a very compact area. They're stepping over each other, trying to do work multiple machines, and, and they're going back and forth. Um, what I what I see them happening now is is those same work cells are being redeployed with uh, one or two people staying there, but um, you know the the cobots are, are are operating the machines, and the the people you know left back there are doing the, those dexterous tasks while overseeing the operations, making sure that the the, the cobots are performing, doing that exception handling. So in a way, these individuals are going from the workers on the on the cell to yeah. be sort of becoming the supervisors of of, of the cobots that, yeah. that are doing those tasks for them now. Um, and you know, cobots they're not easy, not just easy to work alongside. They're they're relatively easy to teach. Yeah. So that worker, like you talked about, the ups upskilling, uh, you know, the weaker sort of training, uh, they can be um, working with and and, and uh, interfacing with these machines, teaching them the, those new pick points. Yeah. Um, you know, we're empowering them to make those fine-tuned adjustments, um, leveraging their knowledge of, of the, the work cell and, and the process, something that they've gained through their, their years of experience in that cell to yeah. make sure that it's still running optimally um, and, you know, adjusting the cobots as needed. Right. So, in, in general, you know, we don't like to be undervalued as individuals. Absolutely, uh, with, yes. Technology like this, you know, the workforce is challenged to use more of their abilities than before. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, we're using people for these jobs only because we don't have cost-effective automation solutions, right? That's yeah. why they were doing these jobs in the first place. So they were, they were being underutilized because yeah. there was no other option. There was no other way to get, get product from A to B than yeah. someone pushing it there. But now with uh, this underutilization necessity removed, we can free yeah. up these scarce resources of labor to yeah. take on those, you know, those mentally challenging and, and difficult tasks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, you know, medical equipment manufacturing involves dealing with some very small and very delicate components. And these are, of course, like critical uh, devices. So in this context, what are the benefits of adding cobots to the manufacturing process? Yeah, this is one um, that I'm actually dealing with right now. So you're right, a, a lot of medical device companies Deal with these small, delicate subcomponents, yeah. um, and the handling is critical to these devices' long-term viability. Yeah. Um, if they're inserted improperly or handled improperly, there can be real issues. Yeah. Um, I was talking to one gentleman, and he was talking about the training of these people. He said they use augmented reality yeah. to teach them how to use the tool because they don't want to damage the parts in teaching them how to do this. These augmented reality and go through this this whole uh, training process to just yeah. pick up a part and place it down. Um, so it takes a fair bit of skill and a lot of training to yeah. do these repeatable tasks. And, and repeatability and reliability are inherent characteristics of most cobots and robots. Yeah. You know, putting with the built-in vision, the four sensors and other tools, uh, you got a very robust solution uh, for handling these parts. Um, and these jobs and picking something up that's really small and placing it is a very tedious uh, application. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of manufacturers for these types of jobs, they have high turnover rates because yeah. again, eight hours of just picking and placing very carefully, very delicately with the same rotation of their hand and yeah. placing it down, it, it's, it's tiring, it's taxing. Yeah. So cobots can not only uh, address the costs associated with the improper quality and the handling, yeah. but you know, there's the cost associated with training the workers uh, yeah. and then the subsequent replacement workers and, and doing this over and over again. 
You teach the, the cobot the correct technique once, and it's going to do that all day. So yeah, we have a project right now uh, with a medical device company in, and our systems integrator that yeah. we're about to deploy. Yeah. And um, you know, the driving force wasn't the ROI due to labor. Yeah, it was uh, that ROI to make 100% good parts. Uh, so in this application, uh, not only are we picking up the part repeatedly and placing it down with minimal stress, yeah. Um, because we have the cobot there, we're also adding some inspection capabilities in the yeah. form of laser measurement to make sure it's seated properly. Um, but most importantly, you know, we're improving the yield uh, by not inducing any unneeded stress on the components. So, you know, to your to your point, you know, uh, delicate parts they're they're fantastic for for cobots to handle if you deploy the the cobot correctly. Right. So the next question that I have for you, it's basically something that you have already touched on right now and uh, talked about. So talking about quality control and how critical it is in medical equipment manufacturing, uh, how can cobots assist manufacturers to ensure fewer errors? At the risk of you know it being a repetitive uh, question, but no, know. no, 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 no. And, and you know, uh, we could take a look at this in a sort of a historical perspective. Right. Do that. So, you know, I've been in the industry for twenty something years. So I don't even say anymore. But you know, back in the eighties, and I was not in the industry in the eighties. But you know, quality inspections were done by hand. Um, right. You know, an operator would look at a part and determine you know were there scratches, was it assembled correctly, are the labels or markings applied. Maybe you have a caliper tool to say, okay, these are the right dimensions. And, and, and that was, and I'm oversimplifying, but that's what some of the quality inspections were in the 80s. And then right. say late 90s with the exception or the, the acceptance of machine vision, you know, some of that inspection could be automated and yeah. quantified, right? And yeah. you can keep the records. We got, we got cameras now looking at these things. Uh, but the problem was that, you know, the, the camera is at a fixed location. The part yeah. would have to be a fixed location. And we're really just capturing uh, one 2, 2D image of the part and doing our inspection based on that in the simplest form. Obviously, there's exceptions. You know, there were ways of, of moving these around, but not simple ways of doing this thing. That was the, the typical machine vision in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. In addition, lasers came along, they could give you a Z height dimension, or maybe yeah. if you had a through beam laser or width, but, but it was very limited in the number of data points you could collect. Yeah. So now with, with the advent of, of, of the cobot, right? We yeah. can use the same vision tools, uh, the same vision equipment, the, the machine vision camera uh, and, the, and the laser uh, measurement system and put these on a cobot, right? So now we have the ability to mimic what an individual was doing before, which is picking up the part and then placing it in front of the camera and rotating around looking for the scratches, not from one perspective, but from several perspectives. Yeah. Or we could uh, basically take the camera, move the camera around and see the, the part from different ways. So, you know, either way of doing that is fine. So getting a lot more information um, from a repeatable distance that the cobot is from the part. We can also do this with lasers. So in that application I just mentioned, um, where we put the, the delicate part down and the laser was checking to make sure it was seated properly. It wasn't just getting a height dimension. It was actually following a path of the edge of the device uh, very precisely and, and measuring thousands of data points along the edge of the device to make sure it was, it was completely flat, everything was seated properly and there's nothing extended out of there. And we're measuring down to you know, sub-millimeter. Um, so we're, we're getting a lot of information. You know, before cobots, it, it would be very difficult to do that sort of thing uh, and have the flexibility to do different parts throughout the day. Uh, but the cobot is just what program am I running for this particular case? Um, so, you know, with increased capabilities for inspection, the probability of a bad part 
escaping from the factory, you know, it, it's greatly reduced. And, and I can't stress how important that is in our yeah. industry, in medical device. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, coming to the needs of small, medium and large manufacturers, they can be very different, uh, you know, even though they are in the same industry. Are there specific uh, benefits of deploying cobots that work well for specific categories? Sure. Uh, large manufacturers kind of already recognize many of the benefits of cobots. So, you know, there's yeah. still a lot more to be embraced, but, you know, Really, where I'm most excited is, is that the smaller and the medium-sized companies that are relatively new to automation. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a, a lower amount of training needed for the personnel, lower need to reconfigure workspaces, and, and yeah. a lower amount of safeguarding and fencing. You yeah. Know, again, my risk assessment was always there. Uh, yeah. Cobots, you know, really open up efficiencies to these smaller companies. Um, you know, say you're a small company. Historically, it's a, it's a pretty daunting task. Yeah. For a small medical device company to add robots to, to part of the process. Yeah. You know, because you're not going to likely have an in-house robotic expert uh, at your facility. Yeah. And you'd be relying on a systems integrator who, who may not be interested in, in one of these small projects for a small company. Yeah. But, but now, you know, a capable technician at many of these companies can quick, quickly grasp, you know, the more intuitive visual programming environment of the cobot. And, you know, with some hands-on training, YouTube videos, I mean, there's lots out there, vendor support. You can start adding automation at a relatively low price point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I were them, I would I would start looking at the, that low hanging fruit that they wanted to automate and, and didn't have the opportunity to be yeah. before. You know, the simple machine tending job, where you leverage the built-in vision capabilities of the cobot. You don't tie the robot into the machine's I/O because that's that's the complexity there that you can avoid. Um, keep them as two independent systems and, and really have the cobot mimic the actions of the worker. You know, uh, cobot can load the part, press go, wait for the cycle, light comes on, remove the part, you do this thing over and over again. You right. do a few projects like this, uh, you know, smaller companies quickly can become more competitive, um, right. adding these simple levels of, of, um, of automation. You know, one, one thing, and it applies to large, small, medium companies of all sizes that I haven't talked about yet. Yeah. But I think is really important is stress injuries for employees, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have the uh, ROI, you know, as a driving factor for companies of all sizes in terms of, you know, labor costs. But yeah. there, there's all these tasks that, that are done hundreds or thousands of times a day that can be very stressful on yeah. the human body that, you know, a cobot is very well suited for. Yeah. So think of the worker at the end of a packaging line whose sole job all day yeah. is to build up these pallets. So maybe 50 times a day, he's taking a box lowering, rotating his body, lowering it down, coming back, grabbing the next box, building up this pallet, eight hours a day, five days a week. You know, it, that takes a toll on a person and can cause, yeah. you know, significant pain and, and long-term discomfort. There's missed shifts due to recovery times. And it doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. You know, it, this, this is the type of application that Cobot is very well suited for. Absolutely. And... Uh, you know, any specific use cases that you have in mind that you would like to discuss uh, about cobots? Uh, anything? I know that yeah. throughout this conversation, we have gone through several use cases specific to them, but, you know, anything that comes to mind stands out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we have already discussed a lot of the, those, the, the, the broad applications that I've talked about. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of those very simple pick and place things, continuous don't need vision. It's just a simple robot. 
but you know, when we add vision natively to the cobot, it, it kind of, it really opens up the capabilities to a far greater degree. Yeah. Um, and leveraging a built-in vision of the landmarks. And, and I didn't explain landmarks properly earlier and, and I probably should have. So let, let me do this. So a landmark, think of it as a tag with a known image on it, okay? Yeah. And this tag is, it's a very special image that the cobot is expecting to see and it is looking for. Yeah. So when it sees this tag on a machine or on a, on a pick bin or whatever it is, uh, it gets a three-dimensional understanding of the space that it's in. And not yeah. just X, Y, and Z, it's got that pitch, the roll, and the yaw as well. Simple by taking one two-dimensional picture of an image that it knows, it gets all that information from it, uh, which makes it really powerful. So now you can easily just roll up a cobot to uh, a machine, have it look for the landmark, and then all the pick points that previously had been learned are now transformed to this new coordinate system just by looking at that landmark. So you don't need to hard fixture, tie the cobot to the machine like you know, with, with pins and stuff like that. It, it's much more flexible. Um, so this opens up the, the ability to put a cobot on top of one of those AMRs that I was talking about earlier and having them drive around the facility doing different tasks as needed. So um, specific use case. Uh, let's say you're a worker in a production cell and you need more of parts A, C, D, and F, whatever, whatever they are, you need more of yeah. these things. Yeah. You could wirelessly send a request to a cobot that has been mounted on an AMR. Uh, in our case, we call them MOMAs, short for mobile manipulators. So we can go to the warehouse, drive to the area where the bins are located, look for the landmark underneath the bin that it's looking for. Cobot would grab the bin and place that container on the AMR, get the other three parts as well, drive back to the production line. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when, when yeah. operators are getting up and fetching things and when operators are moving things around the facility, they're not adding value. In fact, they're taking away from their efficiencies. Right. Um, so, you know, in this case, a, a MoMA or, a, you know, a Cobot and AMR together can be a very effective solution. So just another use case or something to share with you guys. <laughs> So, you know, before we end this conversation, uh, what advice or thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, very good. Uh, I have enjoyed this. Thank you, by the way. So, uh, yeah, so parting thoughts, I guess. Uh, yeah. I just kind of want to circle back to the accessibility factor that I've been touching on. You know, really, the most exciting thing about uh, this field of robotics is that the technology exists. And when we put this technology in the hands of more and more people, we're seeing new ways to use it. In yeah. life sciences, we've seen them do everything from surgery, assisting in surgeries to, to making pacemakers and, and the sort. And, yeah. and, you know, we only solve the problems that affect our lives. Yeah. Like for example, in the, in, the, in the restaurant industry, they're using cobots to, to cook and prepare everything from French fries to salads, to pizzas, uh, even bartending robot, uh, cobots now exist. Yeah. You know, so the roboticist might not immediately see an outlet for how yeah. to use collaborative robots in life sciences. Yeah. But when we move the ownership of that technology away from the robot expert to that of the life science industry expert, this is where we really see the new and exciting use cases. Yeah. So that's why, you know, accessibility of collaborative robots, it, it's so enabling. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can skip that gap when someone has to learn C++, Java, a robot operating system, and just be able to give them a robot to tinker with. I yeah. mean, it's going to open doors to more innovation within life sciences. Yeah. I have some companies buying multiple cobots for their R&D lab yeah. um, where they're working out implementations for various applications, but production people will wander in all the time from different parts of the facility and yeah. talk to them about applications. Um, for lack of a better term, they're, 
there's a collaborative approach between manufacturing personnel and the R&D people to see how they can use these collaborative robots um, in their applications. And it's really an iterative process. It's kind of a back and forth, but it's good to have something that they can take with and play with. So my main takeaway from this uh, is not to be intimidated by the technology. Yeah. You know, embrace it. Start with a small project or proof of concept. You get familiar with it, the more and more ways you're going to find to take advantage of this technology. So I think it's a very exciting time. <laughs> Absolutely. And this was a very exciting conversation as well. <laughs> really, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us on Machine Language and for this, uh, you know, for these excellent points uh, that you that you discussed today uh, on Cobots. So thank you so much. Thank you. Very enjoyable talking to you. Have a great day.